0: Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. I am at NYU Future Labs, and I am with the co-founders of Bowtie, Ron Fisher and Mike Wang. Ron and Mike, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Thank you very much. Thank you. So why don't we get started with having you, Ron, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to get involved in Bowtie. Sure, it's definitely been a long and winding road. After college, I
1: served in the Israeli army for three years, basically, and did the digital strategy there and helped build out the new media. So that was definitely my beginnings in terms of working with technology. And after that, I worked at Nielsen for five years and then finally got my MBA at Cornell Tech, where I met Mike. And my co-founder also came from Nielsen. So we were had already known each other. And then the three of us formed this team as part of our final semester where we are tasked with basically working on any problem we want. And if we want to to continue that work after, spin
0: out as a real company. Oh wow. How about you, Mike?
2: So I graduated from Cornell undergrad, where I studied computer science. And that's where I really found my interest in sort of machine learning and AI in that field. And following that, I actually went directly to Cornell Tech for grad school. And that's where I met these guys. And, you know, we, we formed the team. And I think we have a really balanced skill set. And it's been an amazing journey so far with them.
0: Nice. Awesome. So Bowtie, what does Bowtie do besides having an awesome robot logo sticker?
1: So, yes, we had (laughs) a robot. Actually, that
0: robot's been retired.
1: Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Things change very quickly in a startup. It's a 24-7 AI receptionist. Okay. It's currently focused on beauty, wellness, and fitness businesses. So anything from like a high-end beauty salon to like a chain of gyms, yoga studios, things like that. Okay. And it operates on the web and through texting. And if you call any of the businesses and nobody answers, then the AI receptionist will instantly text you back. So it can convert people before they have a chance to move on to another business. Okay, so how does that work? So let's say, like, Morgan finds a cool salon on Yelp. She calls it up. Nobody answers. She's frustrated. She wants a blowout. She will now call another business. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now she calls the salon. Nobody answers. And then our AI receptionist texts her instantly, says, hey, you know, it's Lily from Bowtie Salon. How can I help you? And then Morgan was like, oh, she just texts back. I'd love a blowout today at 3 p.m. And then they go back and forth by messaging to input the appointment.
0: What percentage of the inbound calls are coming from mobile nowadays? Do you get a pretty high hit rate on that?
2: Yeah, I, I would say almost all the inbound calls are coming from mobile. Probably, I, I don't have an exact number, but we're able to text back the vast majority of users. Sometimes we see like someone calling from a landline, but that's actually in the low minority.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So I've been familiar with some kind of these appointment scheduling kind of apps and then you have like your x.ai amy kind of thing and you guys are bringing that together is that a a good way to think about this
1: yeah so we're kind of like business to business to consumer Uh in a sense we're giving them a tool set that they could deploy
0: to their customer base okay interesting and so how does it all work
2: yeah so great question well (laughs) <laughs> uh, all the texting, we use Twilio for, you know, the, the SMS stuff. We sure. also do web chat, which we have our own little plugin that sits on their website. So that's typically where customers first find out about us or, you know, contact the bot. And what is happens... It plugged into
0: Facebook Messenger or is it a standalone bot on the page?
2: Yeah, so we, we do have Facebook Messenger as a third channel. So we have web chat, which typically sits on their website. You can think of like Intercom or like Drift. Yeah. As an example of what that might look like. And then SMS is where we reach out to customers who call and nobody answers. And so that those are sort of three channels that we're working in right now. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that when a customer sends us a message, we do two things. We extract the intent of the customer. So like, what are they looking to do? You know, some people are looking to book an appointment right away. Other people are just looking for prices or, you know, what time are you guys open? And so we classify their intent and then we extract the entities relevant entities in the message to figure out like, okay, who are they trying to book with? What are they trying to book? What time do they want to come in? And then if there's anything missing, then we follow up and say like, hey, you know I got that you want a haircut. Did you want a men's cut or a women's cut? And who do you want it with? And when do you want to come in? And so forth.
0: Interesting. How did you select the particular vertical that you're going after, or at least starting with?
1: So originally... We wanted to do, we were very passionate about chatbots. We were talking about predictive assistance and we knew that there were a lot of companies attacking the enterprise side of the problem. Mm -hmm. And we said that it would be really cool to do some sort of like self-service platform to be able to provide this like to businesses in mass, similar to what MailChimp does with email. And this is before Facebook opened up the platform for Messenger and like before it kind of like superheated up while we were still in school. So we actually originally were like, okay, well, what is a business that people interact with every day? And we're like, well, what do people do every day? They eat. So we started in food because none of us have any experience really in like beauty wellness or fitness. And then eventually, once we launched across like 25 restaurants in New York, we saw that we felt like we weren't really solving a problem. And while it was like iteratively better, it wasn't like 10 times better. And in that sense, we were kind of fighting an uphill battle. So during our time in an accelerator already after school, we said, we believe in the underlying thesis of Bowtie, which is that like apps are becoming increasingly irrelevant. Like sixty-five percent of users download zero new apps a month, and that all these types of businesses, like local businesses and things like that, are still pumping money into apps that nobody really wants. Mm-hmm. So then we spoke to a bunch of different people, did research, and then basically like after a few conversations, one of which was with like a beauty expert in our accelerator, CEO of Vive at the time, Alana Gregory, we said, you know, we're considering the beauty space. And then she's like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, let me think about it. And then two days later, she's like, no, she's like, this is a real issue for the sector. And then after doing our own research, we found a variety of reasons why it really made sense to to actually dive in and, and apply the technology to them.
0: Okay. And what kind of response have you received? I mean, Generally, these kind of, you know, mom and pop shops, for lack of a better term, like they're they are historically really difficult to gain traction in for startups. What are you doing to try to overcome that? So we basically have like a variety of techniques that we employ,
1: whether that's like drip emails or like cold calling to trade shows. And what we found was that definitely like the trade shows is the most effective and it kind of draws the people who are looking for new technology to begin with. And I think that that's been really helpful for us. And they're also really happy because we're the only ones who are providing this type of solution And it's a problem that they're very aware of that they have. So that being able to kind of like deliver on something that they know is an issue has been very helpful for us.
2: Okay. One of the benefits about working with these types of businesses is that they pay attention to numbers and, you know, real improvement in their business. So if you can prove that, say, where we can handle, you know, X percent of their call volume or, or get them X dollars in incremental revenue, like that really resonates with them because at the end of the day, like. You know, the even a small amount of incremental revenue can make a huge difference for these smaller shops. Mm-hmm. And so, in contrasting that with like consumer behavior, where it's a lot more sort of up in the air, like, you know, is this is fun to use, like, right. there's so many other alternatives. But for us, it's like if we can really show them that it's going to materially improve their business, then that really resonates with.
0: So what are some of the biggest challenges you face from a machine learning and AI perspective and pulling this all together?
2: Yeah, so I would say, as you can imagine, the biggest challenge for us is that we started off with zero data. And so we really had to bootstrap the automation with like proprietary algorithms, just doing lots and lots of research into like, what do people say? How do people say it? And sort of slowly collect enough data that we could start training a model and start to generalize a little bit. But as you, when you start doing this type of thing, you quickly realize that like people say things in a million different ways. Like, how many ways can you ask for a haircut, right? Yeah. You'd really be surprised <laughs> how many ways can you can ask for a haircut. <laughs> and there's also so many other requests that like we never would have thought of that someone might even text. Like, do you guys offer organic products? When we set out to build a system that could help people book appointments and reschedule and ask for prices or whatever, there's a lot of things that we never even considered where like requests that would be coming in Mm -hmm. and that is what makes the customer service space difficult in general if you're if you're trying to automate it just like the breadth of requests that come in Mm -hmm. but that that's one of the reasons why we chose to start off in such a narrow vertical is that it makes it vastly easier to handle those requests whereas if we wanted to you know there's a lot of companies out there like ASAP and digital genius who are trying to sort of augment or automate call centers and very generalized customer service. And that is a very, very difficult problem. so we're trying to be a little bit more narrow.
0: And so have you developed any particular kinds of tools or approaches for kind of starting to whittle down that long tail of requests or, well, how do you handle that?
2: Yeah, so... The majority of requests that do come in are things that, you know, we've sort of collected over the past six months. And to be honest, it's a very manual process of like figuring out what a new request might be. And, you know, there's, you can get 80%, you know, classic 80, 20 rule here. Like you can get 80% of those requests with like 20% of the work. And the other one, you know, like 20% of the requests might be sort of smaller random things Mm -hmm. and what we do is whenever there's something that we don't understand we like mark that in our system and then you know every once in a while we go through that list and pull out trends that we're seeing like initially we didn't realize that so many people would get to the end of a booking process and ask for the price but we found that looking at our data and going back and saying like okay this is something that we now have to handle Mm -hmm. and there's also a lot of requests that are like sort of specific to a business so Someone might be like, where do I park? And that sort of thing. So that that's another aspect that makes this difficult. But what we've done there is like created basically a custom FAQ system where a business can go and enter in their own questions and answers. And we use a mix of our own tools along with Microsoft's Q&A service to handle those like sort of more one-off questions and answers. Okay. It sounds
0: like you're not doing any human in the loop type of aspect to this where if a request comes in and it's not understood, it's kind of escalated to some agents that you or the, the customer is managing.
2: Oh, so we, we actually do do that. If, something doesn't, if the bot doesn't understand something, then we pass it off to a human. And that's typically you know, the business's existing customer support staff. So that might be a receptionist or even a call center. And so we, anything we don't understand, it mm-hmm. gets passed off to a human. But in terms of marking it in our system as something that we might want to handle in the future, that process is sort of difficult to automate. And that's something that we're working on. And we even have sort of a dashboard that the business operators work in. And we're planning on adding tools in there that would actually allow the operator to go highlight a sentence and say, like, this is something that the bot didn't get, but it's a common request that we get. And then they could either add that to their FAQ automatically or sort of, like you said, escalate that to us, and we would go work on it.
0: And is it your sense that that something like that will be readily adopted by, I'm imagining, imagining a salon owner, and I'm assuming you're going after not kind of these big chain salons, but like small smaller shops, like, are they going to want to even think about that?
1: Well, it's, we're going for both. So there are we do have some bigger clients that are nationwide, and they're easier to work with, but then they have their own like technology issues, so they have yeah. like systems that we they want us to integrate with. Right. But in terms of the smaller businesses, as long as you give them something on a mobile device, I actually do feel like they're pretty open to it. Okay. But they also have like a very low tolerance for error because of right. the fact that they're in the service business. So like you really have to nail it the first time.
0: Mm. Interesting. On the conversational side, did you start off on one of the commercial conversational platforms or did you roll your own? I'm thinking here of things like API.AI and, yeah. and other things.
2: Yeah. So we actually... You know, we tried all those platforms out when we set out to do this initially, yeah. and found that it was just too much of a black box. Okay. So when you, you know, we have real clients using this product,
0: mm-hmm. then it
2: really can't mess up on things that are like easily remedied if if we had our own more customizable model and system. Um, What's an
0: example of something that you found it messed up a lot on that, given your own platform, is easily
2: remediable? Yeah, definitely. So for example. Salon service is called single process. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that, that existed before entering the space. But if you, to me, I'm
0: thinking versus multi-threaded, but <laughs> that's <probably>, thing <that's laughs>
2: right? So single process is like two pretty common words together. Mm-hmm. And if you just say, if you just piped in a sentence to an out of the box model that said, like, can I come in for a single process next Friday? It wouldn't recognize that as an entity, right? Because It would be the
0: process as the entity and single is like... Exactly.
2: It's like a quantity. It might pick it up yeah. as a quantity. Process is like, is that even like a service? Or is it process is also a pretty general term, right? right? So what we found is that we really had to augment and customize the system to be able to work with even the most simple things in, in real production. And that's actually very doable because we have, you know, a list of all the services that the businesses have. Mm-hmm. and over time we've sort of automated the process of creating aliases and different alternative ways people ask for things and those are things that you just can't input into a black box model that you might find with like with that ai mm-hmm. and so what we found is that those those things are good for like you know sort of a small talk kind of bot or, or maybe something a little bit more geared towards one-off responses like A Q&A type of thing but in terms of Having a full conversation and holding state and entities in the context of a very particular business and needing very high accuracy to input the exact appointment that the user is asking for, that required a lot more customization.
0: Okay. And so what? tell me a little bit about the effort involved in building out that platform and what were some of the difficult decisions that you had to make and, and which way you ended up going on those.
2: Yeah, definitely. So one of the big challenges was integrating into the businesses in the first place. Okay. So we we work with MindBody businesses. MindBody is a scheduling platform that has you know, fitness, beauty, wellness businesses. And we use their API to sort of pull in the businesses information when, when they onboard. So their staff members, their services, their availability, and, and so forth. And what we found is that Every single, not every single business, but many of the businesses on those platform have their menu structured or they're all written out in a different way. They're like super messy, right. right? Because when they're writing it out, all they need for it to do is for the receptionist to be able to like click a drop down and then find the service that the user is asking for on the phone and then put it, in, put it in an appointment. But when we are trying to automate that process, we have to be able to capture However, a customer asks for it, we have to drill down to what specific service they're asking for. So if they say laser hair removal, we need to be able to figure out if they're looking for laser hair removal on their chin or like on their forearm because those are all the specific services in the system. And so just importing and integrating into many businesses and sort of generalizing that process on top of automating the conversations has been a real challenge because you know, it doesn't come in as clean structured data where it's like service one, you know, name plus 10 ways of asking for it, service two, name plus 10 ways of asking for it. And so when we think about doing this at scale, we not only have to develop sort of models for talking to the user back and forth, but also importing a business's menu data and structuring it and cleaning it up and not having to do that all manually. Okay.
0: Do your customers ever ask you about wanting to have input into kind of the personality, if you will, of their bots? Like whether they're formal or informal or, you know, use a southern drawl in, in the text or something like that? Like, is, is that something that comes up?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we've had some really weird requests. Like one person wanted their AI to be like an AI dog. Uh-huh. So they wanted a bunch of dog references throughout this, the, the model uh-huh. I and mean, other times, if it's like a larger brand, if there's one that's like has a global presence, they were very like formal, and they really wanted it to be like very fancy in their language, uh-huh. so there's definitely always a back and forth between me saying that's fine and then Mike telling me that that could take like another ten hours.
2: <laughs> uh, so yes okay.
0: how do those kind of requests impact the system that you've built
2: yeah, so. The good thing is that a lot of those personality tweaks are just changes in copy in in terms of the messages that we send out, right? So what we've done is just created a bunch of different places in the conversation where the business can then go and tweak the message. Mm -hmm. So around really core stuff, like this is your booking, does it look right? You know, we don't want them to be able to tweak every single word, but what we do is like in the confirmation message, texts that the user gets when they've completed a booking, we might have a section at the bottom where the business can add anything they want there. So if they have a cancellation policy that they need to highlight or if they have like special sort of something that they need to tell the user like to not, you know, go suntan two weeks before the appointment or whatever, then they would put that there. Um, So we have like a bunch of slots that they can modify.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And then in terms of the kind of the MLAI, Tech, you know, having built up this platform from scratch, what are some of the, you know, toolkits and languages and like, what does the stack
2: look like for you guys? Yeah, definitely. So we do everything in Python. You know, in my opinion, the best language <laughs> for data science, one of the best languages in general. But so we we use scikit-learn for a lot of the sort of out of the box models that we then go and you know, for any for any model, really, most of the work goes into the Feature engineering, feature selection, data cleaning, all that stuff that goes into it before actually, you know, doing the math and the, the regression or the classification behind it. And so SK Learn, we use pretty extensively. NLTK is a great natural language processing library that comes right bundled with Python. We use that for a lot of, you know, like part of speech tagging, that type of thing. And then we use spacy.io which is another NLP library that can do, like, syntax parsing at very high speeds compared to other more state-of-the-art models that are a lot slower in terms of, like, real-time parsing. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, we're experimenting right now with TensorFlow and sort of more some of the deep learning stuff with, like, word vectors and potentially looking into LSTMs for the entity recognition Mm -hmm. stuff. But at this point, the data that we have isn't quite at the volume that you would need to do to do word vectors successfully. And we're still experimenting with that.
0: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. What's next? What are some of the big things you're looking forward to on, you know, either the business or tech side or big challenges that you're looking to overcome?
1: So now I think it's just about being able to like, shrink down the testing phase for each of the clients that we work with because of what I was saying with their low tolerance for error. So we have like a huge influx of interest because they're very excited about the whole idea Mm -hmm. and then they're expecting it to work 110% of the time. Mm -hmm. So just being able to make sure that we can basically give it to them and for it to launch and for them to be able to basically all have zero errors from the beginning, like ironing out that process because now Mm -hmm. we're really like scaling out the platform. I think that's the main issue for it for me at least, in terms of what's next.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Anything to add, Mike?
2: Yeah, I would say, I think, basically scaling the onboarding process like Ron, sort of getting at. And then also thinking about, you know, this may be a little bit far off, but, you know, it's something that we started to think about is like expanding into other verticals. And so how do we sort of transfer the models and the knowledge that we have from this particular vertical and make it more generalizable and make, you know, if we get into real estate, that we won't have to bootstrap the automated conversations there like we did for this and so in that vein there's going to be a lot of sort of how do we separate out the beauty specific aspects of the model and maybe try to extract the appointment booking aspects and sort of try to generalize everything so that's something that I've been thinking about a lot awesome, awesome.
0: well Ron and Mike thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us I enjoyed learning about Bogtac
2: thank you thank you
0: All right, everyone, that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for your continued feedback and support. For more information on Ron, Mike, Vivek, Bowtie Labs, or any of the topics covered in this episode, head on over to twimla.com slash talk 64. To follow along with the NYU Future Labs AI Summit Series, which will be piping to your favorite podcatcher all week, visit twimlai.com slash Lab 2. Of course, you can send along your feedback or questions via Twitter to at Twimlai or at Sam Charrington, or leave a comment right on the show notes page. Thanks again to NYU Future Lab for their sponsorship of the show. For more information on the AI Nexus Lab program, visit futurelabs.nyc. And of course, thanks again for listening and catch you next time.